Hello and welcome back to the Heart Gallery podcast with me, Rebecca Rivola the Kremer. I am an artist, creative advisor, and visual communicator in the climate and humanitarian space with over a decade of experience. And I also have a personal art practice where I explore relationships between individuals, other living beings, and our earth. I created this podcast to inquire into the various roles that art can play in helping us create deeper connections with our environment and others, both human and more than human. Listen to hear from other artists engaging in these interrelationships with all kinds of approaches, philosophies, and hopes for the future of humanity and our planet, and to learn about different ways that art can help create change. In this episode, I am so thrilled to talk to Vidushi Yadav. Vidushi is a South Asian feminist artivist, illustrator, visual designer, and researcher. Her work revolves around gender justice, South Asian identity, access, and right-based content. She has been a communication and design consultant at multiple women's rights, humanitarian, and development organizations all around the world. Through her work, she attempts to investigate gaze, representation, ableism, gender binary, privilege, and colonialism via image making. She works from her studio in Jaipur, India with her team of queer and disability rights activists and artists passionate about making the world an inclusive place, one image at a time. I should also mention that Vidushi's work has affected how I conduct myself in my own arts-based communication work for organizations with humanitarian social change and climate change missions. I wish for so many of the organizations, companies, and individuals I have encountered and observed throughout my career to see her guidances and reflect on them. Um, She provides critical teachings and they're all embedded in her signature vibrant arresting style. So they are just a joy to to look at and, and learn from. I am so thrilled and honored to be speaking with Vidushi today. Hi, Vidushi. Welcome to the Heart Gallery podcast. It's so nice to be seeing you. Hi, I am so honored to be here and I love your work and I'm sure this podcast is going to be amazing (laughs) and I am so happy to be a part of it and talking to you here and I look forward to it. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have you here and uh, I love your work too. It's funny, I I have such a complicated relationship with social media, as I think many people do, if not all of us. And I think once a day or more than once a day, I think about like, oh, I should just like figure out how to leave social media, you know, like I feel like it's just nicer to like be in the world, be in nature, be creating. But then also like once a day, at least I go on Instagram or, you know, some other social media place. And I see artwork, typically artwork. Maybe sometimes it's it's something non-art related, but the artwork is what like what pulls me back in. And more than the artwork, it's it's the artists that I have found through social media who I don't think I probably would have a chance to encounter otherwise, or it would just be less likely. And your work is exactly that. And before we started recording, I was telling you that I think I saw your work for the first time on LinkedIn of all places. 
I don't even know why I was on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn was like one of those places like where like, I don't know. I don't know like what I get from it, except recently what I've been getting from it is uh, exposure to your creations and what you're sharing on LinkedIn is really special. Unlike anything that LinkedIn has ever seen before, I believe. And you have these beautiful visual stories. I would call them visual stories. Usually there's like some kind of like ecosystem of people co-creating. It's very vibrant. It's very colorful. Sometimes you have like multi-slide stories where you have text, where you're interpreting different ideas and your themes are usually around feminism. There's some threads of ecology. There's justice. There's this idea that like we can co-create a new kind of world and you show it so beautifully. And I'm wondering like, what is your relationship with social media and how did you come to be sharing this kind of content there? <laughs> that is such a nice question to start with. And um, I would say that my relationship is very complicated. And, and so many times I've you know, thought about leaving social media because it, it really affects my well-being and it has its way of pulling me especially Instagram. I watch so many artists and so many amazing things I discover. Uh, but I also get sucked into watching reels for hours <laughs> only to realize, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And um, I have a complicated relationship with sleep, with uh, you know getting out of social media and just basically reminding myself that I don't need to watch and consume so much of content. So it has been a struggle for me to manage my time with social media. What I've recently last year done is I have built a team who helps me with social media so that I'm not doing it all alone. And um, this has helped me a little bit about when I manage my time with social media and how much I consume versus how much I create. And uh, apart from that, I think one another very important factor of social media, especially us as uh, artists, is are we creating? Like I, I almost every day wonder, am I creating for social media or am I creating for their algorithms, for, you know, how much um, pressure they put on us uh, with their ideas of, you know, productivity and posting something every day and just posting content for the sake of posting. So I almost like every day wonder what value does it provide? And of course it provides a lot of value, but it also takes so much away from us. So it's a question. It's a living question that I have to sort of answer and ask myself every single day. How do you reconcile it right now? So um, you've identified some of the feelings that I have as well. And and it seems like you're weighing the pros and cons all the time. So like for you right now, I'm curious, like it seems like the pros are outweighing the cons because you're creating so much. Like you share, I'm always astounded at how much you're sharing. So, so you think that it's worth it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have uh, found so many people who... I have conversations with daily and I learn from them on social media. And like you said, I wouldn't have found them otherwise. So there is a very strong value that it provides me and my work. 
because I definitely want my work to be, you know, to be reaching people, to be read by people and to be consumed by, by people. But I always sort of like also question uh, the how of it. And I do post a lot. And like I said, my team really helps me in figuring it out in the timing and all of that. And I do have a couple of softwares which automate the whole process so that it's less, you know, less complicated for everyone. And <laughs> so that is, that is definitely there. I want, so I create a lot of things and I create for a very specific target audience and um, I want them to engage with my posts and I want them to ask questions and I want me to ask questions uh, to them and um, just engage in, in meaningful ways. So social media as of now is my major platform and I'm also figuring out what can be the next step and leaving social media also sounds very tempting. So it's it's all all of these things together. There's these two two threads that I want to pick up on. You're talking about this question of like, am I creating for social media? Which is such a good one to be asking for all of us who are spending any time there and sharing on there. And it's one that, gosh, it's one that I've struggled with so much and. I don't have the audience that you do. And recently with the algorithm changes the last couple of years, I found that the work that I really care about, like that I feel like, oh, there's something here. Like, I think I'm like going in some kind of direction that I'm excited about. That never resonates. And so I've started to feel, actually, this is a part of the reason I'm doing the podcast is because like, I've just, I've stopped feeling like I'm able to grasp that community, like to, to access a community, like where I'm having, uh, I guess, like constructive dialogue, like where I'm providing something super meaningful through social media. And I thought like, okay, like I'll get onto a different platform, you know, take control of this in a, in a different kind of way, like get away from these algorithms, from these like capitalistic entities they're trying to make us like create for them. And I'm wondering like how you've worked through that, because it seems like you really do have an audience. Like you really do have an audience that is excited about what you're making. And I'm wondering, how did you do that? And is that audience what is helping you make sure you're not creating like for the algorithm, for example? Yeah, I mean, I love this question. And I think um, now that you've said this, I think the audience that I have has a major role in understanding that I'm not creating for, for social media or, or managing how I'm creating. And over the period of time, I have realized that there were audiences, there were people who sort of followed me, but they also unfollowed me because I didn't post very regularly at a point when I did not have uh, the capacity to. Or I did not cater to certain trends or, you know, I, I just wanted to be true to what, you know, really resonates with my heart. And um, so, which is why, and I think over the period of time, people who wanted such content, they came and they, they left <laughs> because um, my content was not my, my art. I won't, I won't call it content either. <laughs> it's just that it has a critical lens, you know, like it, it sort of analyzes how 
the how of everything how women are portrayed how people from global south are portrayed how are you telling somebody's story do you even have the agency to tell that story so it has like my through my work i ask all these questions and on social media there are a lot of people who are looking for a quick 2 minute you know <laughs> entertainment so i always say that i wouldn't have that kind of audience you know millions of audience because i am not creating a 2 minute recipe or i'm not i'm not a dance video you know i i want people to come and sit with the questions that i have and um just see the world just sort of like reflect if there is anything they relate to so i would say that my work has a lot of i don't know what that word is you know you know you come and sit with certain feelings so i i don't think i i create for social media trends and i don't think i can can do that you know i don't i don't think i have the capacity to or the skill to or the intent to either and there is there's a lot of magic and slowness and i want to sort of like sit with the thoughts i want to write those thoughts you know stay with those thoughts for months maybe weeks maybe years and then sort of like something will stem out of that and it's it's very organic for me and social media cannot cannot be organic <laughs> yeah there is such a magic in slowness and i'm grateful that you said that i think that even though these algorithms can sometimes you know feel very powerful and the forces at play can feel like they're just too much for little people little artists to go up against the fact is i feel like you're touching on the fact that many people are just hungering for something different and maybe um they're not willing to to leave that space and maybe they don't want to leave that space because they do find some value there and the fact that what you're offering is is available and is know is connecting with those people i think is just is just wonderful and and i hope that we can just continue this this battle i guess i don't know if we should use a like violent terminology means like more of like a peaceful protest against like these these um capitalistic social media forces absolutely absolutely this is a peaceful protest against the bigger the bigger force i think the biggest force of our time which is social media and yeah. and there's so much that we sort of you know fight against and those battles are most mostly internal you know like we are sort of reclaiming our space reclaiming our time <laughs> reclaiming our ways of being and reclaiming how not to get affected by so mm-hmm. much of people having the best of life on social media so yeah. yeah it is it is an uphill battle and in addition to all those those reclamations that you just said i think an- another one that you're a part of is like reclaiming thoughts and thinking and critical thinking and that's such a big one and you're reminding me of this book that i love um by a woman named Jenny Odell the book is called how to do nothing and my mom sent it to me and i remember thinking like oh like what is this is going to sounds like one of these self help books but it's not at all and Jenny is an artist she lives in the San Francisco bay area she's also a professor and she examines social media's impact on our lives in addition to many other things um she does so much and um one of her points in this book how to do nothing is we need to reclaim the space 
to not be influenced, like not be having our thoughts shaped. And every time we're on our phone, I can't, unless we're like on Google Maps, I don't know, like we're having <laughs> our thoughts affected by someone else, by by a non-being, you know? And and I think that within, like if, if social media can have spaces, like where people like you are providing that pause where people can realize like what they're within and the broader systems that they're within, it's very powerful. Yeah, yeah, that is very powerful. I'm curious, Vidushi, how how did you come to be interested in in these issues that you talk about? You you mentioned um, feminism. I know that a lot of your work touches on patriarchy. Um, you touch on voices from the global south, agency of different types of people. Can you tell me where that interest came from and how you became such an advocate and activist? So I don't know uh, if many people know this, but I I started this by looking at films and media from a critical feminist lens. And I used to be a, a like I was uh, from animation background. I used to be an animator. I've made a couple of films, and and it was a very interesting thing for me to see how women were portrayed, are portrayed in films and media. And um, that is where I started from. And uh, very organically, it sort of moved from just women to all the marginalized communities and seeing that in the bigger picture. So I started uh, seeing a similar pattern in the portrayal of uh, of transgender folks and people from India who are from Dalits or uh, low caste backgrounds or you know, people who are from Global South or other marginalized communities, people who are LGBTQ, how they are portrayed in, um, you know, like in, in media, how uh, women are stereotyped in a certain kind of work, how systemically they are stopped from entering into spaces. And, and it became a very interesting practice for me. And I started sort of noticing this everywhere. And then I realized as a young artist earlier, I I realized I have a lot to say and a lot to comment on. And my art, my images became a channel of of that commentary. With time, I slowly came in contact with a lot of humanitarian and development organizations globally. And I started seeing the same pattern in the portrayal of people from Global South or people who are from my community, uh, they're looked at uh, with a Western gaze where they're not understood properly and they're understood from their vantage point, from a very West vantage point and a very West perspective. And they are taken, like, they're taking away our stories. So I thought that it, it did not feel very authentic to me. And I started sort of, uh, asking this question that how do we change this narrative or how do we shift this narrative where all the people, all the women, all the marginalized communities in so many different ways are portrayed in such a victimhood, you know, globally. So that is where it all started from. And now I work with many uh, organizations. I have uh, created a couple of, you know, a checklist you can say where which is which is like a mantra of 
put how to say authentic storytelling how to practice authentic storytelling yeah so this is how it started and and it's still a very living practice it's still i'm still asking a lot of questions i'm still finding a lot of uh, answers i don't have all the answers but i'm sort of like through my work through my practices i'm sort of finding those answers and and i'm very grateful that a lot of uh, organizations are taking interest in what i'm doing but i i i think a lot of uh, like especially the international development uh, sector has a long way to go because all because because most of the images they use they never thought about it how inauthentic how traumatizing it is uh, especially for the people who are who they are saying they're going to serve so yeah there's there's a lot that can happen there could you share some examples of what some of these portrayals look like or have looked like yeah so many I also won't take names but I don't think that's relevant either because you will see that most of these organizations humanitarian organizations um especially global ones if you go to their website if you see their communications you will see that uh most of these images are very pity inducing you know like uh, hungry children they're not even clothed properly they are sort of like covered in mud you know like really really sad images they're looking like they're waiting for help from a white person or from somebody who looks like a like they belong to a uh western country and um i don't know if it's intentional or if it's their way of seeing or um but if it's very inauthentic because because i'm not saying that marginalized communities are not systemically you know oppressed of course they are but they are not victims you know they are full humans and they have all these ranges of emotions and experiences and not just that they are victims and waiting for help and um i also feel that they uh, when you do this you take so much of their agency away from them and you'll see that all these ngos have these kind of images they just sort of like i understand that they are looking for funding but there may be other ways of you know there there can be so many other ways of getting money other than just portraying a hungry child or a woman in need of food and clothing for their family and children because i feel that these women and these children are literally around me and i don't when i see them or interact with them they are not those people uh, which i see them which i see on the websites or on the communications of these international ngos which is so inaccurate and wrong and there can be so many other ways of telling their stories authentically what kind of experiences have you had with some of these organizations like where maybe you you reached out or someone reached out to you asking you to get involved how do you navigate that space where you start to maybe show them for the first time that this is going on within their communications and their perspective of the people they're working with their their view of the world how do you navigate that or do you feel like the organizations that you have a chance to work with they're already kind of gaining that awareness on their own 
I would say that a lot of my work started on social media. Uh, and when I started highlighting these things on social media, that how the, I, I remember having a post where, where I posted this critical analysis on Instagram about how sexual assault victims are portrayed. And I, I remember a lot of people messaged me after that post saying that they totally agree and they never, they were either one of those sexual assault victims or, or they were, on the other hand, the organizations who were portraying them. And both of these side of people, they told the same story that they didn't know what was wrong, but they felt uh, there was something wrong. And uh, they they could not articulate, but this whatever I wrote made so much sense. And this is just one one example. So I think a lot of my work started with advocacy of this kind, where it was just me self-funded, doing this work on social media, a lot of organizations came to me when they discovered my work through that. And uh, I would say that which sort of saved me from getting into this battle where I am sort of advocating for what I'm saying. Uh, they already saw sense in that. And when I'm, when I'm saying these organizations, these, mean, these do not mean like really global organizations, but what I mean is smaller uh, organizations, independent organizations, like I can take some names which are doing really good work, like Frida, Urgent Action Fund, Asia and Pacific. And uh, there are a couple of East African organizations who are doing really good work and they're taking, they're sort of reclaiming their, their stories of their own people. And they are showing the way to all these bigger organizations that you can do it in. You know, and there are better ways, you know, there there are, how are you portraying these people through images, through, through words, means so much. And it, it actually shows where your intentions are and how much do you care about these people. Yeah, so, so um, a lot of these organizations who saw sense uh, in this work came to me and then it started a chain reaction. Uh, sort of a thing <laughs> and with time I, I think my this especially this very focused work is not more than three years old and yeah within this time I have a lot of organizations that I worked with and um, hopefully hopefully there'll be more on a bigger platforms and bigger organizations who who will see with time there will be more I'm sure of it. And one thing I missed in your in your story when you were taking us back was how you started to use art as a way to mm-hmm. communicate about some of the issues that you were seeing. Where where did the art come in? Were you always creating? Did you just connect those two? Like how how did that connection come about in your mind? So I was an artist before. I mean, I have always been an artist. I was in animation. I used to create small little animations. Yeah, and this ideas of representation started with a couple of books that I've read. One of it was by an Indian author called um, Seeing Like a Feminist. It's an amazing book for anyone who wants to sort of uh, start seeing like a feminist. <laughs> and um, it's very beginner friendly as well. And I, I just randomly picked these books because I was organically very interested 
in sort of shifting that lens. Yeah, and and that sort of seeped in to my work, to anything that I was creating. And I always, I I don't think I was ever or even good at. I was never very good at creating beautiful pictures of sky, of flowers, (laughs) of just painting beautiful pictures, which so many other artists are. And I'm so inspired by them. But um, I would say that this was my space, I think, which sort of like happened organically. Your style, it's funny you say that you you feel like you're not the artist who's creating the beautiful sky. Your style is so distinctive and and I marvel at these complex worlds that you manage to create. Whoever's listening, please like you have to go look up Fiducci's work right now or or after the podcast. It's just um these incredibly complex interwoven like there's so much weaving happening you create these systems but it's like layers of systems within one visual sometimes and you'll have people and environment and landscape and then you'll have all these forces at play illustrating like how um how people are affected um by by external factors you'll have um you'll have descriptions showing like how people are connected to each other and and you'll have a thesis very like typically like within the visual you'll have like some kind of broader point and i think that's that's quite incredible how did you come to be such a proficient communicator of information because that's another piece right like there's the art piece your your works are captivating you know the colors are strong and the characters are expressive and diverse and beautiful how long did it take you how did you figure out how to you know be such a good weaver of of a lot of information i don't know if i have a perfect answer for that i mean it happened very uh it happened with time it happened with practice it happened with doing a lot of things really badly <laughs> and figuring out how else i would do it and more than that it came i think with an intent of telling a complex story in a way that sort of understood well and i think another aspect of my work which is sort of hidden or layered you can say is that i always question that all these information all these amazing ideas they are sort of packed in the shiny boxes of academia right like um you'll find amazing information in a library or in a big conference paper you know but it's not accessible to people who do not either speak that language or people who are systemically away from those spaces who are not systemically you know allowed to enter those spaces so how do you democratize that information how do you make it accessible to people who who do not want to read you know a paper of maybe 30 pages right so of course this is this is much more complex than uh what i'm creating right now but this has been my intent and a very important factor of my practice that how do i bring this information and and social media also right like it's a platform where people are talking about skincare hair care 
and um, good lipstick shades and <laughs> all those things. And uh, what happens when you put information like this, which is so reflective, which is so moving, if you engage with it? What happens when you put that information in a platform which is so open for all kinds of content? And um, what what are you doing when you're doing that? Like if, if you can sit with an image and look at it every time you'll find another information or another sort of you know story uh unfolding what happens uh especially on social media where you know content is supposed to be consumed in like nanoseconds and moved on with a swipe so i think that's that's a very uh important factor um which i am sort of I, and i it started with this question and and yeah i started putting more and more information in an image to be sort of uncover or unfold with time with space every time you look at it you find something else and you found that as you've been building more and more layers of information into your work that your audience has stayed with you yeah and uh, that is actually very interesting and i was also honestly very surprised because uh because of the same uh reason that you know uh typically people will say that you know make your inf- like like your content or whatever you're posting make it in such a way that it's it's very easily consumable you know like you look at it and you understand it sort of a kind of a thing but the the kind of work that i'm doing it cannot be just that it cannot be a you know two second engagement it has you have to pause and reflect and uh, although if i see data i have a lot of unfollows almost every single day but i also have a lot of follows every single day and uh, i have a certain audience which sort of engages with what i create and i get so many dms with um, very personal messages like you know people who are going through a very different time a very difficult time in their life and they saw an artwork and they they felt good so that's huge yeah that's, huge. that's and, amazing i mean that's that's what that's the best thing we can hope for is artists right like i do i did have one question about the impact of art and how it can sometimes feel intangible but you're receiving those testimonials from people those direct messages and that it seems is like i mean what more could you want than that yeah yeah and uh sometimes these are the messages sort of like which are my fuel and um you know like uh, there are people who felt misunderstood all their life and um they sort of write to me saying that they felt belonged that they belonged somewhere by looking at something i created which is which is huge because i also felt at some point in time that i don't um, i don't sort of like i don't belong here you know like i don't know uh, if i can relate to what everybody else is feeling or or do i subscribe to this the story that you know everybody has and it feels great to sort of when people write to me saying that 
you know, uh, whatever I created gave some kind of comfort to them or some kind of belonging to them. So it's amazing. It's a great reason. Like that in itself is like, I mean, stay on social media, keep doing what you're doing if you're receiving something like that, right? Like that's just wonderful. And I'm wondering if you're the mantra that you mentioned before, like to, to go back a little bit, you mentioned that you created this mantra. Does that also help keep you grounded and help you stay focused when you're surrounded by all this other content that you mentioned? Um, is that what you turn to? Yeah, of course. So, uh, and this is, um, this was like a principle kind of a thing that I, I had, of course, a living document again, like living with every time I stumble upon something like a new experience or a new understanding on representation, this gets added to that. But I created um, a checklist for organizations who are especially trying to portray uh, authentic stories of people uh, from sort of like different gaze, you know, from from probably a Western gaze or probably an upper class gaze. So I created a checklist of sorts where it has a couple of points, including like, uh, do not be a hero of their story. You know, do not <laughs> portray yourself as the hero or the savior or, um, you know, that they they needed they needed you to come in their life and save save them. Uh, instead, tell their story in a way that you're only a medium. You know, you're only a translator or a channel of their story without having your perspective or as authentically as possible. Uh, and I think uh, that is authentic inquiry. So that is uh, sort of like one of my mantra as well, especially when I'm talking about people who do not belong to my community or who do not, who I, I don't share their experiences. So I, I, that sort of like checklist also keeps me grounded. I also created this checklist and it is on my social media for anyone who wants to find value in it or want to be benefited from it. Everyone needs to see the checklist. The checklist is great. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it on LinkedIn. And, uh, and I shared it with some colleagues, um, some colleagues that I do communication work with because it's, I'm, everyone, everyone needs to live by those rules, I believe, if they are lucky enough to get to be working on trying to change social systems and yeah. trying to change our relationships to other people, to the natural environment. So please check with this checklist. It's incredible. And I wonder if you've received any pushback like if you in your experience it seems like you're connecting with like-minded organizations you know organizations that want what you're offering they want to change they want to do better have you received anything in the opposite direction yeah i have a couple of times and um yeah and most likely my my reaction to that is that probably you know this is not the right time for this and maybe they're not ready for this and and you can't do anything about it like they either understand or not so i i have realized that i would rather focus my energies on uh, organizations and people who genuinely try to you know reflect on their processes on their practices and policies and um, I have realized that, you know, that's a channel that I want to go through. 
you know, like doing the work, what I can currently do and hoping that things will change in future and people will see uh, what they need to see. Yeah. So that's, that's the path that sort of like I have chosen to, to grow where you're planted, to do what you can at a particular point in time. And you feel like this is this moment right now that we're living in. Is this a good time to be working on these issues? What is your sense? I think it is a very exciting time to working on these things. And especially, especially with so many things happening around the world, right? Like, um, you know, if you see around you, if you, if you read about what's happening around the world and you will see that this, like there cannot be more important time than this to do this work, uh, which sort of makes, makes this very challenging, but very important as well. Yeah, and, and it teaches you a lot. It teaches you more, uh, so much more than work. It teaches you how to sort of like so many things, how to, how to go in a battle with just, uh, with just kindness and love and empathy, you know? Uh, a battle which is so much larger than you are but just just go with what you have and what I have is sort of this imagination that there can be another way and what happens when you enter into a space um, which is so challenging right which is which which is such a huge force and you just have your kindness and your your messages or your thoughts by your side which is why sort of like I I write in my Instagram bio that I'm a radical lover because I really think that love is the way forward you know like if you see any situation with the eyes of love with the eyes of I mean that's that's if you if you tell me if there's one answer I think the answer is love and radically loving all the parts that are wounded in this world. I couldn't agree more. I love that so much that love is the answer. And that connects to a piece of yours that I saw recently about care, about rest, I believe for Frida that you did, the organization Frida, another excellent piece. I believe it was a multi-panel piece that you did on taking care of, of people, of oneself and of others specifically in work contexts. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that cultural shift that we're seeing a little bit of. I don't think it's mainstream, but also like how you take care of yourself. Because I think to to love, you know, to be a radical lover, like you have to be healthy in yourself on, on multiple levels. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You have to be healthy on so many levels. And and it is very challenging, especially with the kind of work that I do, with the kind of content that I deal with, or uh, the content I create art for. Recently, I a project I was doing, I was working with the content and stories of people who are going through extreme violence by state, by their intimate partners, by you know so many systems on so many levels, and it was so hard for me to. To not get myself affected by it or not, you know, be reminded of my own similar traumas and my own similar uh, challenges of the past. And it is a very active practice, I would say, like to take care of myself in all of this 
and to take care of the people who are working with me now is a practice that i'm still learning i'm still working on but i am i'm 100% sure that i want to take care of that more than anything else like if it if it means that i'm i'm sort of like pausing a little bit if it means that i'm disengaging or disconnecting myself a little bit or if it means that i i take active therapy every uh, now and then um and where i sort of unpack all these emotions and i have so many questions and it's so hard to sort of keep up the hope or the belief in this world where so many bad things are happening to so many people without any of their fault but yeah yeah you 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 got to take care of yourself and whatever it takes you got to like that's that's that should be the priority and i think if you take care of your heart uh only then you can go out in the world with you know and with that sort of understanding that it is a powerful thing to have love love can be a tool i appreciate those and and i wonder if um so the creation being able to be selective with what you create that's such a big one and i also wonder um one of the questions i wanted to ask and i'm trying to ask in every podcast is around art or artists that are inspiring and i wonder if you can share any artists that have had an impact on you throughout your life or, or maybe who you turn to when you're trying to take care of yourself yeah um so many of them so many including you i love your breezy artworks i would say that one is uh, frida the artist <laughs> uh she's amazing and uh, the way she lived her life is an art in itself with so much grace and uh with so much fight and beauty um that is art in itself and of course her work is also very inspiring and there are so many contemporary artists i really really love and um i'm i'm forgetting the name of this artist but she is an installation artist and she creates these uh installations with her body and she performs including many experiential sort of performances and that is also very amazing yeah and um, there are so many artists on instagram that i follow and uh, <laughs> that i learn from we'll share those we'll share those we'll do some research and find out who that third artist is uh, <laughs> okay, and sure. and share those in the notes uh, but thank you so much for that vidish and just as a a final question i wonder if you i mean you've provided so many tips so much advice so many pieces from your life perspective that i think people can get a lot from but i'm wondering if you potentially have like one like one thing that you want people to consider doing after listening to this podcast yeah i think um one of the a very important thing um that i've done all my life is to sort of ask questions and i think it is such an important thing to begin to ask questions and not accept what sort of is given to you or what sort of is considered the default of life i would say that's that's the one thing that i would ask everyone to start doing that ask questions ask why do i have to be like this if if something doesn't feel right why doesn't it feel right So like do you like how do you drill down 
because like, there's like the surface level answer, right? That we can, we can arrive to, but it can get really interesting when you keep digging, right? Yeah. And um, I think digging happens when you're sort of like, when you're trying to not find that uh, answer, which sort of like, which is readily available and really seeing where it's coming from. So for example, there are so many things that are, that we are told as women that this is how you should be and this is how you should behave. This is what you shouldn't do and this is what you should do. And if you ask, start asking questions, why is it important for me to uh, do this? Or what is stopping me to do this? What will happen if I, if I go on and do this? And I think um, it's not just asking questions. It's also sort of trying to do what, what feels authentic to you. Just uh, understanding that, you know, so much is the system, you know, the, the system that we are living in and the system we are told to live in. And what if, if you unsubscribe from that? Very powerful. And with that, with that very powerful call to action, Vidushi, thank you so much. I hope that anyone, everyone listening goes and finds you on social media, looks for your checklist and potentially gets in touch. Um, It's been really lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I had so much fun talking to you. And I look forward to listening to all the podcast uh, episodes that you're making. Thanks, Vidushi. And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for sharing this space and time with myself and Vidushi. I encourage you to go check out the visual accompaniment for this episode where I share some of Vidushi's milestone visuals. You can see a link for that in the show notes. If you have any ideas for who else I should converse with here, please do get in touch at hello at the-heart-gallery.org. I also welcome any other thoughts about the podcast there. And you can find me at Rebecca Rivola on social media as well. It'd be great to have any of your support in the form of subscribing, rating, commenting, and of course, sharing. If you can think of anyone who would enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. Thank you goes to Samuel Cunningham for the podcast editing and also to Cosmo Sheldrake for the intro and outro music. I encourage you to find the whole song. It's called Pelican's We. Until next time. Thank you.